Red, Green, and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And uh, right off the bat, I want to apologize if the audio quality is a little bit off. Um, I've had to go back and use an older headset and a laptop because I'm in the middle of a move. And it was quite a weekend. Uh, Me and my fiancé, we bought our first home and we moved in. First football game I ever saw in my new house was the Badgers' triumphant overtime win. against. Oh, yeah, great game over Nebraska. And then the second game I was actually able to watch was the Packers and Falcons. And up until 35 seconds remaining, it looked like it was going to be a triumphant Wisconsin weekend. And then it all slipped away. And the Packers lose to the Falcons 33-32 to in uh, a game that really shows us that just when you think we have all the answers, they change the questions. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. It, it almost feels a little better than some of the wins they've had this year because you saw some things that have been real problems, and obviously, namely Aaron Rodgers in the offense. They looked pretty good for most part of the game, and it, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's It sucks to lose a game like that. You were expecting to lose, um, but then you looked so good in it, and then you still ended up losing. Yeah, and we said last week that we both expected them to lose, and I had said that... I expected them to lose by two touchdowns. So um, I am very wrong in that regard, and I felt pretty good about that prediction when it seemed like half of the roster was a scratch at game time. No Clay Matthews, none of your top three defensive backs. You were missing basically all of your running backs that were with the team in training camp. Then all of a sudden, on Sunday morning, we find out that both your pseudo-running backs from the last game and Randall Cobb and Ty Montgomery aren't going to be able to play either. And it was just a very wild situation. And then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers came out and he looked like the MVP from uh, two of the last six seasons. And I don't quite know what to make of it because... um, It's as good as he's looked for a while, and it maybe shows that the Bears game was him starting to build back into what he was rather than just capitalizing on a bad team. Granted, we'll talk about that as Atlanta might be a a cure for a lot of quarterbacks the way they're playing this year. But I I just don't quite understand it. And, And Matt, I was trying to even think of a way to frame this to ask you your opinion because it's so weird that... You have a team that's as talented as the Packers that were on the doorstep of the Super Bowl, and then you take away a whole bunch of those pieces offensively, and they have the best output they've had in years. It's it's like, I don't know if it's Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy need to be the underdogs to be able to focus, or if it's as simple as something like all of a sudden being forced to play Trevor Davis and Jeff Janis put that much speed on the on the field that it changed the dynamic of what their offense is. I don't know, but it's weird, and it's it doesn't make any sense given what we've seen the last two and a half seasons. Well, I, I think what makes sense to me is that, yeah, one, obviously Rodgers played better, and I don't think that has anything to do with who, who was and wasn't on the field. I think he was just sharp. Sure. Um, but I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks, though, is that when knowing this team knows that they're missing a whole bunch of guys, they just are forced to kind of get more creative than they have for the last three, four years. And it just seems like they're running different route concepts and different play calls and not just banking on the receivers, getting open and beating guys deep. It's just, they've just done different sorts of things than we've seen them run. And it seems like we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but it's it's working a little bit. And, you know, not trying to pound your head against the wall and do the same thing over and over again. They're actually 
um, you know, maybe compensating for some of these injuries and guys missing. Yeah, I think the point that can't be lost is Aaron Rodgers and how, like you said, sharp he was yesterday. And Bob McGinn, I, I respect him a ton. If, for those of you who don't know, he's been the longtime Packers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He wrote an outstanding book chronicling all the Super Bowls probably five, six years ago. And I have the utmost respect for him. But I look like, or I probably sound like Olivia Munn on Twitter compared to Bob McGinn when it comes to criticism of Aaron Rodgers. His headline for his Packer game story yesterday was, Rodgers fails in the clutch. Huh. And I'm like, you completely missed the point of yesterday. And it really takes away when you have valid criticism of Aaron Rodgers, like I think was warranted the last 16 or so games. And yesterday, yes, he maybe failed to get them into field goal range. McGinn put it as this. um, I can't think of the exact quote, but it was something like uh, Aaron Rodgers showed that maybe he's – not quite as special as the great quarterbacks because a mere 33 yards would have given them a chance at a 60-yard game-winning field goal. I would have bet my house that Mason Crosby would miss a game-winning 60-yard field goal. But to hold him to that standard that he didn't do anything in the last 35 seconds is grossly unfair because he's gotten his fair share of criticism recently, and he played outstanding yesterday. And one thing I wanted to point out was I think his final numbers were um, like 200 and... 46 yards, four touchdowns, and I think of guys like Derek Carr, who you texted me earlier in the day, uh, kind of joking, that I would trade a first-round pick and Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr right now, and Derek Carr's fantastic, but he had 513 yards, which is awesome. He scored fewer points than Aaron did, and if you're as sharp as Aaron was yesterday, you don't need a million yards because you score on every drive, and you are just so efficient, and I think... I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but I think that we have been justly critical of Aaron's play, and I think to get hung up on what happened in the final 35 seconds is unfair considering how well he played yesterday under the circumstances. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, obviously you want to see your quarterback get your team and at least take a chance at a long field goal, and that drive was a complete bumble. But, I mean, for he was definitely not the reason for the mm-hmm. majority of that game he was he was on and you could look at a guy like Jordy Nelson who if for whatever reason at the, at the end of that game down the stretch made two really stupid mistakes like really uncharacteristic and the one didn't hurt because he got a 12-man penalty mm-hmm. but then he goes down on on the field next to his own sideline um, and costs the team a timeout there which would have made a big difference too so yeah. um, I mean you blame the defense but it's hard to play his too much blame on them because they were so banged up. But I mean, obviously they're, they're more to blame for allowing Matt Ryan to do what he did on that possession more so than trying to march down, you know, 40 yards with no time left on the clock there. So that it was a bad end of the game, but I, I mean, he was a, he was the hero that game. He was the only reason they were even close to being in that. So I I would put no blame on him. Yeah. And it's another case, unfortunately. um, And, and Rogers is the same way too, but this team always seems to be one play away. And outside of that Miami game and, of course, the Hail Mary uh, last season, it seems like they're never making the one play. They're always letting the one play slip away. And um, it, it was great yesterday, and I think they, they deserve credit for rallying, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve too much criticism. But it is still kind of a frustrating 
chapter in the Packers' history under these two guys, uh, McCarthy and and Rodgers, kind of omitting Thompson in the in the game time stuff. But um, <laughs> the, can you imagine they would have a New England esque record if they would have won half of those one yeah. play makes a different games over the last ten years? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at it's insane. I'm sure you could compile quite the list of all these that have heartbreak one play things. And when you think about the ones that went the right way, there's almost none. Like all of our biggest wins have been, you know, we've wrapped up a little bit earlier. Like the Super Bowl was, you know, wasn't down to one final play. Um, I, I guess I can only think of a couple. Well, I mean, you've got that pick against the Eagles in the wild card game that same year. Oh, I forgot about that. One. Um, yeah, last. I, what what else? I mean, literally, like everything else has gone wrong against you in games that, like, the really big games that matter. Even the close ones that they win are games like beating New England in 2014 or beating Atlanta, where you really dominated the whole game and then the other team sort of surged at the end and you were able to hang on. But, like, New England, they beat by five, and that's with Devontae Adams dropping the game icing touchdown at the goal line. And and things like that. So yeah, I I mean, I can't think of well, um, pretty obviously the two games at the end of 2013 with the bomb to Cobb on fourth and sixth. <laughs> you know that game against the Bears. I suppose yeah, the hail mary shouldn't go unforgotten too. But I mean, you yeah. lost one of two of those games too. I suppose so. But yeah. that Lions game, yeah. But but I mean, yeah. for the most part, I mean, you you stack those like three or four up against like twenty. It feels like of the other way. It's for sure. I agree. It's it's weird that something like that could be more than just kind of an unlucky thing or a trend. But it sure seems that there's got to be something going on for this to keep happening. Well, on um, yeah, I, I I think you analyze those games a little bit more closely. You don't analyze. Um, you know, think of like Jacksonville. You don't really think of that game anymore because Jacksonville got close and then you stuffed them on fourth and one and you kind of forget about it and you think of, oh yeah, that was just a standard Packer win. And then the next week it's how dare Aaron throw an interception uh, driving to beat the Vikings. You tend to overanalyze the losses, I think, in those cases. But um, I think it maybe is just more of a... Uh, it's similar to Wisconsin football where you feel those gut punches when you lose, because when you lose, it's always close. I mean, outside of a handful of times in basically our whole time watching the Badgers or a handful of times in our whole time watching Aaron Rodgers, have they really just gotten knocked out? Mm-hmm. They, they either win big, win somewhat convincingly, win close in games they controlled the entire time, or lose a game that they led in the fourth quarter because they don't get destroyed more than maybe once a season. And for a while there, it didn't happen for three, four years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we, uh, or we've heard quite a bit, and then Corey Ben touched on a little bit, and I, I could be paraphrasing a little bit as to what Corey's asking about here, but he did have, and I'll read more of the Facebook comments later on, but he talked about uh, Mike McCarthy getting taken to task for eating his timeouts at the end of the game. And he said, I know the offense wasn't able to get a first down, so needlessly allowing under a minute to, or allowing a minute to drain off the clock didn't exactly cost us the win, but this is yet another example of his outdated game-managing techniques putting us in a worse situation than we need to be. So I guess I don't know exactly what scenario he's describing there. Do you remember, Matt? No, sorry. Okay, so 
I have heard a lot of criticism of McCarthy for not using timeouts during Atlanta's final drive. Right. Yeah, and maybe that's what he's referring to. Because I mean, we didn't really. In, uh, once we had the ball on our drive, we didn't really have the opportunity much. If I can remember, they were all incomplete passes. Yeah, and so I was just making that to preface it in case Corey was talking about something else. And if you are, uh, let us know. But to me, I think that criticism is entirely unfair when you're leading by six points. You cannot, even if your defense is in a compromised state against which is pretty clearly the best offense in the NFC and perhaps the best offense in the entire NFL, you can't expect that your defense is going to give up a touchdown. I still think that the expectation is that your defense stopping the other team is more likely than them scoring a touchdown. And it's not like this game was the 09 wildcard game where it was 45 all. The defense had given up a lot of yards and points, but Atlanta was at 25. That's pretty much, that. that's three points above the league average nowadays for teams. So to expect and start calling timeouts, expecting your defense to give up a touchdown, I think is a horrible way to try to coach a defense filled with young guys on the rise. Yeah, and you're very adamant about that, but I don't know if I'm completely sold. I'm not, I mean, I'm not passionate enough on the other way to really argue, but I think with, you know, like you said, the compromised state of your defense, I mean, you made all the points basically against that. I mean, you're facing the number one offense in the NFL. You've got, even though he's injured, you've got Julio Jones out there, you've got Matt Ryan, and they're just marching down on you. I mean, at that point, you don't want to assume that, but what's the worst that happens if it if you call those timeouts? Because they're going to run out of downs anyways before they run out of time. Yeah. So you at least save yourself... You, you know, potentially you could have a minute or two on the clock to try to get just those 40 yards, which I think makes a big difference. So I, I was calling for him to call the timeouts there too. And you hate to assume you're going to give up a touchdown, but in that case, I think, um, I think McCarthy had more confidence than maybe I did or that a lot of the Packer fans did because he just kind of felt it was going to happen. And, and I can see that to a degree, but also the, I think the comparison situation for Packer history is Super Bowl 32 when Mike, uh, Holmgren, we had so many darn Mikes coaching these teams over the years, it's easy to get them almost screwed up. But uh, Mike Holmgren allowed Denver to score. They were at the one-yard line, where this was an 11-yard uh, touchdown throw. And I, I can see the point, but to me, I didn't necessarily have a problem with him not calling the timeouts, especially considering uh, a similar situation that Aaron Rodgers has been in was against the New York Giants back in what, 2011 in the Meadowlands, and two or three throws in a dome, and you're in range. So, I I don't know, maybe you you have two timeouts, you you get two completions, and you have timeouts for each of them, and and you kick a field goal. Sure. (laughs) All right, so um, while I was trying to make a point after that. I've had to interrupt the podcast on several occasions. First, my dog went crazy, and then we got trick-or-treaters coming, even though I don't have the lights on. So, um, do you got trick-or-treating out there right now, Matt? Yeah, I'm also hiding indoors because we're doing this too, (laughs) so the garage door is shut and all the lights are off. (laughs) Isn't there rules? Like, you can't just go up to to houses that people don't have lights on and expect there to be trick-or-treating, correct? Yeah, at least when we were kids, we had rules to play by with this stuff here kids these kids days these, yeah just played it fast <laughs> and loose with the trick-or-treating rules well anyways all right so with all this going on uh we're gonna have this show go relatively quickly here uh matt yesterday um the offense finally looked good we talked about last week saying how we thought a 
good showing by the offense, even in a loss, would make us feel better about the rest of this season. Having that come true, does that actually change your expectations for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think so a little bit, because you hung in there, although I think we got extremely lucky that Julio Jones was limited yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, because I think against a fully healthy him, we would have probably given up 50. Um, They just, they couldn't go deep against you, and that was really where we were able to get picked apart yesterday, even though we kind of still did. So I I think you're going to get a lot of these defensive guys back, hopefully. I mean, it seems like nobody on this team can stay healthy. I guess that's the more concerning thing but i mm-hmm. i think you got to at least feel that they're you know semi a contender in the nfc because i mean seattle loses um atlanta all just barely beat us and they lost two straight carolina finally got their second win i mean nobody really who we thought were contenders is right now so i think that they can hang with basically anybody even though i don't know if they're a real great team yeah and maybe that idea that the rest of the nfc although dallas is kind of separating themselves that's true yeah I think they're going to be really tough to beat. They seem so fundamentally sound, but there's still no reason to believe the Packers can't get like a three seed or something. But I don't know. We talked last week about a nine and seven. Uh, Corey Bend had a comment that said he feels the same way. Um, Eric Hansen had a comment on Facebook that he even is starting to feel some doubts about this season. And so now we're losing all of our positive voices. And uh, I guess I still think that this team is probably going to be around that 10 to perhaps eight win mark. And, it's it maybe has me more encouraged that maybe this year will be a loss, but Aaron Rodgers is not completely ruined like yep. it looked like he was for a while. So perhaps we can still uh, uh, have some good years next year, perhaps. And I don't know. It just seems like this team has never been healthy for ten years, and. I don't know if that's partially part of the declining ratings is the fact that no teams are healthy, but I, I, I don't understand how a team could have such injury problems for so many years in a row. You, you think that, hey, if they were ever healthy next year, they'll be really good, but then you almost feel foolish for believing that could even be a conceivable possibility. Yeah, we kind of felt that way after the preseason, and then all of a sudden it's just all these minute things um, and, and just guys are gone and they're just not playing at all. It's just, it's hard to fathom how you can miss so much of your roster. I mean, you watch on a give, any given college football Saturday, nobody's missing as many people as we miss every single year. And these are college athletes who don't have their whole lives dedicated to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even in back, thinking back to high school, I mean, on a team of whatever, you know, 30 guys, we maybe were missing like three that would be injured yeah. every game. It's just like, it seems crazy in so many hamstring things. And it just, I feel stupid complaining about it because it's been, we've been complaining about this for years and nothing's ever going to change about it. Yeah. I, I, and we don't know if it's the training staff or what the problem is, but there's clearly some sort of an issue here. I just don't have a solution. And that would be unprecedented, I think, to blame the training staff for injuries. Like, you've heard of them changing techniques, like the Packers tried that to help with muscle injuries, and it seemed to work for 2014, and then last year and this year, it's been even worse than it was before, seemingly. But that would be a weird and a very intense move, it would seem, to um, to fire a coaching staff or, or hold a strength and conditioning coaching staff responsible for injuries. It, it, it would seem a little bit misplaced, but it, it seems tempting, doesn't it? Yeah, you just gotta. You're trying to find a solution, and there's no other um, obvious answer. So it, you hate to get rid of a staff, but it's almost like worth a shot. Like you're you're gonna have a whole roster full of injured guys, anyways. It seems like year after year. So why not try something different? 
Yeah, although this team is the king of uh, maintaining status quo, which most of the time the status quo is really good, and this year it still has a slight chance to be, but uh, I would I would be shocked to see too many changes in that realm. Yep. Okay, so um, we got my my dog is kind of going crazy, so we'll probably wrap this up soon. We got uninvited trick or treaters. Pretty soon, I bet you there'll be a drug bust looking for stuff that uh, they thought was at this house before we bought it. So this is <laughs> Halloween is uh, is perfect for uh, the type of day that I'm having right now. We've had some internet problems, but luckily the only entity that seems to be having more problems than me doing this podcast or the Green Bay Packers on the injury front are the Indianapolis Colts, and they're coming to Lambeau Field on Sunday. Um, uh, We're not going to do the picks. Uh, Daniel Johnson gave us some great topics. Hopefully we can get to those next week or another week. Um, Sorry to cut this kind of short, but I think that this show's probably not been very good anyways because we're kind of in a weird situation. But um, Matt, I like uh, the Packers' odds to get back on track against a Colts team that's really really bad right now yeah I think I do too I'm, I'm a little worried about the secondary getting picked apart a little bit again here but I think at least with the Colts and having such a terrible offensive line that you can at least get more pressure on luck and he's just constantly getting beat up so I think you can at least match that and their defense is right for the picking obviously too so mm-hmm. I agree I, I again I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Colts pull off the upset here but I think I like the Packers I think they're a little better on both sides of the ball yeah, agreed. Um, it should be another. It has the potential to be a lot like the game was yesterday, with a lot yep. of points, and um, you're never quite sure what you're going to get with Andrew Luck, and he he's almost individually like the Packers are in that every time I doubt them and think they're finished, they have a great game, or or every time I think they're on track, then they just completely fall apart. So I think it, it's definitely that risk, but they should be able to hold Pat at home. Um, real quick, Niall Davis was cut today. Yeah, that's right. Weird move. <laughs> what did he have, four carries in his entire Green Bay career? I mean, he didn't look great, but you kind of, I mean, watch some film, you think you would know what you're getting a little bit when you get a seventh rounder, and I don't think that was conditional either, right? So it's not like now that they cut him, they get get yeah, it back? I don't think so, no. So, uh, just a bizarre move, especially when you're, you've got a roster of basically nobody left at this point, you're still cutting this guy. I mean, it must have been really, really bad, but it just mm-hmm. makes you wonder why that's the first trade you decide to pull the trigger on in six years. Yeah. Well, and and what about, um, yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, to, to pull the trigger, they must have just had uncertainty about Don Jackson and thought a, a seventh-round pick was worth the, um, I guess, risk management kind of move, but yeah. it's not like Don Jackson went out there and had 100 yards yesterday. So. Right. I don't know. Um, and then Jared Aberderis was the other big one that has been let go since we last had a show. And apparently they IR'd him with a thigh bruise, and then they came to a injury settlement, so he's now basically a street-free agent. And this is kind of a sad one for football fans from Wisconsin. He, he went to high school in Watoma. He was a star with the Badgers. Um it seemed like when he got on the field, he would have flashes, but he seemed relatively healthy this year, and they still weren't willing to put him on the field. So something tells me that uh, perhaps the uh, bloom came off that rose a little bit after the preseason this year. Yeah, I think you're right. It it, it does stink a little bit because you love to see. I mean, we don't get a lot of badgers that end up on the Packers, and especially a guy who had shown some flashes. But I think you know, kind of enough is enough at this point. You've you know what you have. He's been constantly injured and even though this was just a thigh bruise he's probably ready to play mm-hmm. um i think they are just kind of sick of dealing with this these things and the upside wasn't enough so it's a little bit of a bummer but i guess i get it i don't hold the packers against it 
Yeah, and either that injury is worse or the Packers are seeing what the other teams are seeing because he hasn't been re-signed yet, has he? Uh, not as far as I've heard, no. Okay, so you wonder if uh, maybe he floats around for a while if they don't try to find a way to bring him back once they have more healthy bodies. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I don't know. It seemed like that would be to, – to reach an injury settlement with a guy would suggest perhaps that there's a little bit of hard feelings there, so maybe he wouldn't even be interested in that at this point. Yeah. Um. Okay, so real quick, speaking of the Badgers, uh, I mentioned that earlier on the top of the show that the Badgers were able to defeat number 7 Nebraska at Camp Randall, finally breaking the state of Wisconsin's streak of overtime defeats and uh, winning 23-17. to And they've been flip-flopping quarterbacks quite a bit, and we touched upon that last week. But um, I guess any direction you want to take it, Matt, what's your overall assessment of the Badgers, and where do you think they might rank in tomorrow's debut edition of the college football playoff rankings? Yeah, speaking of injury, I just like can't get over it. I think about it every day, how much of a bummer it is that they're missing those two linebackers for the season now. Yeah, um, Sitchi and... Um, or and uh, Sitchi. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that hurts because I this defense is is already like legendarily great and imagine if you throw those two guys into there too who are really like their best two linebackers going into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I like them a lot. I I th- we talked about that a lot that you know with a defense like that you're gonna play with everybody and beat a lot of really good teams. So I I, I wouldn't be shocked if they run the table here and find their way into a Big Ten championship game. And I don't think that I mean we've already seen that Ohio State and Michigan aren't untouchable. Whoever winds up there, so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're releasing the top 25 rankings tonight for the playoffs, right? So I think tomorrow night. Tomorrow, okay. So that'll be fun to see, and I think that you know they're obviously right there just because of how hard their schedule was. So it's, I mean, they still got an outside chance. It'll be fun to watch the rest of the year. They got a lot of help too in that all of the Big 12 teams that were undefeated lost. Yeah, they're basically weekend. done. Yeah. yeah, so they're they're not going to be a factor, and because of all those teams losing, a team like Oklahoma is not going to get enough chance for momentum. And of course, they got plowed by Ohio State, and the Packers played them pretty tough. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's still going to be pretty hard for a two-loss team to get into the playoff. And quite frankly, I don't know if I want them to. I really want them to be able to beat Michigan or Ohio State in a rematch. But if they get to the playoff, they'll be the four spot and they'll play Alabama. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I want that. I'd almost rather them go to the Rose Bowl, beat Michigan in the – I want to beat Michigan more than Ohio State just because of how fun it would be to beat Jim Harbaugh. But if they were able to do that and then go to the Rose Bowl and perhaps win that, I think that would be better for the program than getting annihilated by Alabama in the playoff. Yeah, you're probably right. But it would be fun, though, too, if at least gotten there, too, because these kind of seasons don't come around very often. And maybe with this defense, they will more frequently, and you've got a young quarterback. So we've got potential. So you're probably right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it might be fun to just see well, yeah, if they make it, that month of December would be just the best thing ever, anticipating that playoff. Um, although Michigan State fans might not uh, might might beg to differ that that shine comes off pretty quickly once you have to go to that right. stage and get annihilated. Okay, um, not really much else to talk about in the NFL. Um, we'll make our picks on the website. We didn't even make our picks on the website last weekend. We just sent them to each other, and I don't know if we did good or not, but someday we'll, we'll recap all that. But um, the NFL last night had the Eagles and Cowboys lose to the Cubs-Indians World Series. It's the first time since the NFL decided to go head-to-head with the World Series that the World Series has actually beaten them in the ratings, and they did so decisively. And... Um, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of uh, discussions that are erupting online about what this all means. I read Mark, Mike Florio of 
uh, NBC Sports wrote that he thinks the problem is there's not enough scoring. And it took me literally 10 minutes to find out that this year is on pace to be the second highest scoring season since 1970. And it just is kind of interesting that a place like uh, NBC would put out an article saying that scoring is the problem without taking literally it took 10 <laughs> to minutes to, to fact check the whole thing. And I don't even get paid for it. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I don't even know if I could explain it. I mean, I watched The Walking Dead last night over at the NFL, but I also was watching um, the World Series over, and I, I don't even really like baseball that much. I don't know. It's just, I guess you see an NFC East battle that we get on primetime constantly over and over again. I'm kind of sick of watching, you know, Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Redskins, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, to begin with, so you get that game on Sunday after watching a full day. I mean, I guess just give me something else. I'm kind of tired of watching the same game over and over again. Well, and they had an 8.30 game that ended in a tie, which certainly kicks off the uh, Sunday with a lot of uh, apathy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, First time since 1997 that there have been back-to-back ties in the NFL, and I know Daniel Johnson brought that up. And actually, every year since 2012, there has been a tie. And I, I think it was last week, maybe I didn't mention it on the show, but I went back to look at it to see if there's more ties now that they changed the overtime rule. And there have been more ties um, in the last few years than there were in the previous, like, 20. But it had only a couple of those actually had both teams get field goals. So ties caused by the new rule. The ones like yesterday would have been ties without the new rule. So I think that um, it's a bit of an anomaly. Maybe those were caused by more ties, like the Packers and Vikings when they tied in 13. Each team got a field goal. But... um, in the 1980s, every year but one had a tie. So I think it's just sure. a weird thing that maybe the 90s had fewer ties than you'd expect, and now this decade's going to have more ties than you'd expect for reasons that are completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're both picking the Packers to beat the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think that the – Matt, you're getting into the World Series, you said, so are, who are you rooting for to win this World Series? Uh, I'm rooting for the Cubs. I don't know. Just be a little more exciting to see, I guess. And um, I don't know. I like it, it's it's sort of hard for me. And maybe as somebody who watches baseball more than me, it's sort of weird for me to root for the Indians with that logo still. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, it just feels weird to me that they still allow that. And it's not quite as bad as the Redskins, but really that logo is just as bad. Yeah. I, I don't know. It. I don't know why it bothers me. I, I mean, I'm not personally offended by it because i'm not a part of that group but it just seems so offensive and wrong to me and i don't know i'm not easily offended i just think that Mm -hmm. you know if you watch like i guess i'm more used to seeing the redskins stuff constantly because i've been watching football forever it just you see that chief wahoo logo and it's like man that's bad well you're the personification of the wussification of america that's what i think no yes so um I, i guess i watch baseball more so it really doesn't bother me as much but i will say this that for the last several years they have been using the c logo much more than chief wahoo and this year they've been using it for whatever reason a few more times like i think their batting helmets are still the c but then out in the field more often they'll have chief wahoo and when i see that yeah i cringe (laughs) and i could see why some people I could see the argument of people saying that it's more representative of a baseball team than it is of a stereotype at this point, and maybe I'd oh, buy that argument. Yeah. I, I wouldn't buy that at all. I, no, I don't. I don't care what. I mean, if you if you do that type of a stereo, you know, typical face of any other race, like any of the other minorities in this country, that's not happening. Sure, but sure. It, 
yeah, I, I don't know. It's just the the red skin and the big like grin and the feather and stuff. It's just it's so bad. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. Um, as far as who I'm rooting for, I find myself rooting for the Cubs. And yesterday really made me about as mad as I could be about that All Star Game rule because I don't know if you stayed up till the end. But that Wrigley crowd has been so electric, and that's yeah. the most iconic stadium. After they won, the whole crowd is che- uh, basically singing that Go Cubs Go song. And you see guys in the crowd like John Cusack and uh, Bill Murray. People are like crying and freaking out. Yeah, it's pretty. it's been pretty cool to see. And that, that environment deserves a game six and seven rather than going to a 19-year-old ballpark in Cleveland. And me being a kind of a hardcore baseball fan now, I'm definitely rooting for the Cubs because I, I, I kind of want this streak thing to be over. And if there's a team that should break the streak, it's one with 103 wins that basically led their division from the first day of the season. And the Indians led, I shouldn't even said that, Cleveland <laughs> led their division since July and were still 28th in attendance. And that always rubs me the wrong way. They're, the the Believeland, all that documentary complaining about how they're these great, dedicated, starved fans, and I'm sure there's some of them, but then you got to be better than 28th in attendance. The Brewers were like 15th or 16th with a team that was terrible for the entire season, so it's it's hard for me to uh, to root for uh, a team that has such fair-weather fan support, seemingly. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this thing up. Um, if you want to interact with the show, um, please post on the Facebook page. Uh, Many of you did that today, and we weren't able to get to your comments. Um, Next week, I'll have my regular setup, so hopefully we'll be able to be um, more, um, give more time to any of the comments you have on there. You can tweet at me, at GreenGoldForever. You can also follow the show on the Podbean app that gives you access for free to the complete archives of Green and Gold Forever, and you can also follow us on the Pod. Uh, I'm sorry, the iTunes podcasting app. So for Matt out in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton. Thank you so much for wading your way through this really bizarre show. And uh, hopefully after a bizarre Packer game, we can get some guys healthy, get back to Lambeau Field and get some sense of normalcy and find out what just we have in the Green Bay Packers here in 2016. Take care, everyone.